If you'd like to join me in just a quick little 90-second body scan meditation, just a quick check. It Don't call it a meditation. Just checking in on your senses. Here we go. Get present in your physical senses. Feel your shirt and your pants against your skin. Feel where your breath is coming from underneath your nose, your diaphragm, down below your belly. Feel your physical tension in your body. Where are you holding? Are you holding in your shoulders? What are your feet against the bottom of your shoes feel like? What are your feet against the floor feel like? What is your body against the chair or whatever you're sitting on or leaning up against? What does that feel like? Tune into your senses. What do you hear far away? What do you hear right here? Can you listen without judgment? Can you see what you're seeing, not just directly in front of you, but the top left of your vision, the top right of your vision, the bottom right of your vision, the bottom left of your vision, the whole thing? Do you see it all? Can you quickly taste what's in your mouth? Can you taste what's around? Can you smell? What do you smell in your environment? How is your mind going? Can you observe yourself checking all of those things? If you could very quickly just nod out loud, just in the comfort of your own mind, say, Hello. Notice who's the one who heard you saying hello, and who is the one who said hello. Isn't that interesting? Be right where you are, check your five senses, get present. Anyway, here's the episode, guys. Hi, everybody, welcome to the Junk I Love podcast. It's me, your host, Jacob from the internet. It's the Jilp episode 100, baby. We made it 100 episodes. Here I am. Here we are. Thank you guys so much for listening. How cool is that? 100 episodes. Um, this one, the majority of this specific episode is going to be, um, it is a copy of an interview I was recently on another person's podcast, and this is that conversation. So essentially, this man is Brent Spirit. He has a, uh, his own podcast called The Spiritual Awakening Show, and we had what's called a kundalini conversation in his ballpark and his world. Um, it's essentially, um, he has conversations with people who have spiritual awakenings, you know, whether it's ordinary people, whether it's spiritual people, whether it's people intentionally doing it or in, in, unintentionally doing it, whether they're teachers of it, whether they're um, someone who is just a completely regular person who pushed too hard and had this experience. Um, I fall under the category of, you know, through trauma and depression, anxiety, um, all those sorts of things that uh, I identified with, um, you know, not so long ago, just a few years ago. Um, I essentially trying to fix all those things, trying to fix myself. Um, I more or less pushed a bit too hard and had what's called a spiritual awakening. I will explain, I'll break all that down in the coming episode, but I had these, um, you know, kind of transcendent experiences, these mystical spiritual experiences that I didn't really know what I was doing, didn't know what I was getting into. Um, and, um, you know, it was massively destabilizing in a lot of ways. That's for sure. You know, that's why I want to talk about these things. I want to, I want to have them out in the open, especially now that I'm in a place of, uh, you know, being a lot more firmly on the ground. You know, I at least have at least have one foot firmly on the ground. You know, uh, I'm, I'm still there's a lot of these things that I'm still going through. I'm still integrating. I'm still trying to understand them for myself. Uh, you know, like we discussed, these awakening things, there's it's layers and layers of understandings and realizations and, um, you know, these different states of consciousness that you can be in that kind of take some time to integrate. Um, 
If you've ever read the work of Eckhart Tolle, he had a spiritual awakening. Essentially, I mean, he had to sit on a park bench just looking forward for years, just trying to integrate it. There's there's many, a lot of, um, you know, spiritual leaders and spiritual teachers you will hear. Um, they had a form of, of a kundalini awakening, of a spiritual awakening. It's kind of led them onto their path now and now... Um, you know, now, uh, w- whether they're teaching specific spiritual tactics or not, as a teacher, um, anybody who's had these sorts of things, your life is, is drastically altered afterwards. Um, there's a sense of, um, there is kind of a sense of, I know it's such a heavy word to use in the first five minutes, but it is such a, a sense of like a God or not God sort of, um, there is a sense of something bigger than you that's experienced, um, um, not that it's a capital T truth, not that really anything that I experience or share is 100% the truth. It's just what I try to communicate as my truth. It seems right to me. It seems to be, hey, this was my experience. Uh, this seems to be uh, uh, an overarching theme to what happened to me. What do you think? You know, that's really where I come from. It's a lot of my, I'm trying to integrate my personal, actual lived experience over the last, you know, half decade or whatever um, and correlate it with. The content that I'm consuming with the the YouTube lectures and the books and the and the audio books and the podcasts and the conversations and the just all the you know everything I see on social media all these things trying to integrate my actual experience what am I really feeling what am I actually going through in this moment um, and you know on a whole you know what's what's my overarching story here what's my um, what, what is this like hero's journey that seems to be being presented to me in this strange packaging? You know, how do you make sense of that? How do you move forward? So anyway, that's what a lot of this episode is, man. It's um, it's kind of me checking in on where I'm at. Uh, Brent is such a wonderful uh, host. He really kind of lets me blab on for quite a while. The first um, half of this interview is a lot of me kind of explaining some some key things that happened to me, some like actual um, hey, here's what I did that night to have a mystical experience. Um, I was in a blissed out state for a couple of weeks afterwards. Um, you know, and there's so much that I leave out in here. There's so much that I was trying and doing and experience. Um, one more thing that I mentioned, uh, 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 you know, well, I guess I suppose two things. There was, you know, I'm walking outside and uh, as I'm going to my morning meditation, I just lean over and throw up. Brent mentions that in the beginning here. Uh, if you're wondering what he's talking about, this was something that I mentioned in our conversation together. I was essentially just like in a very normalized state of what's called purging. I was like getting rid of what no longer serves me. I'd walk to my meditation. Cool. Blah, I don't need this anymore. Go along, sit on my meditation cushion, you know, hit hit play on the guided meditation that I'm going to listen to or, or whatever it is. Um, among that same time, I had a lot of like strange, um, you know, and the, I'm not saying that these are like explainative or these are capital T truth or these are like, um, these are very ob- objective things, you know, but I had, I would have animals walk up to me in meditation, like be just within a few feet of me, coyotes, uh, I had a deer come massively close to me. I would have birds and squirrels like come right up to me as I'm in these meditative states or like right as I'm getting out of them, I open my eyes and I look up and there's like legitimate animals by me. Um, so I just, I mean, I just had like, and, and again, I know that that like, you know, so, so I'm saying I'm snow white y'all, you know, <laughs> it's not like that. I know how it kind of goofy all this sort of sounds. So, um, but I am at a point where I'm just trying to communicate these things, not in like a, um, you know, I'm really trying to express this was my experience. I'm not trying to impose my reality on other people. I'm not trying to, um, 
um, you know, I'm, I'm not really trying to like stomp out any, you know, in, anything other. I'm like, like I, I feel that there is room for me to share these sorts of things without me feeling like I'm bumping into a bunch of walls, without me feeling like I'm pushing other things out of the way. It's very much yes. And it's very much, um, Hey man, like I'm grounded. I'm doing well. I'm just normal dude like you, you know, I have my own struggles. I have my own, um, you know, things that I work with just on a day to day basis, just being a human. I have, you know, my own neuroses, you know, all these things very much there. I'm so much human, but also I had these life altering experiences, um, you know, basically when I turned 26 to like, you know, I guess 30, um, that, um, are, are, you know, nothing short of, of fascinating. And, um, I, I think that I will go on, uh, with, as I continue my life, I think I will see these as definitive moments in my life, like these mystical experiences, these things that I went through, um, these discoveries that I, I, I kind of got a glimpse into about, um, like I said, my reality and who I am and the, and these sorts of things. Again, I know as I'm saying this, it sounds like it's like, I know something you don't and I experienced something you don't and now I'm special. It's not so much that there, there is all that, but I'm, I, I'm massively aware of it and I don't want to come from that place because I feel like it, uh, it kind of muddies the point. It kind of muddies the coolness of this conversation. So, um, yeah, man. Anyway, if you see me on the street, <laughs> don't, uh, like I, I, I'm not trying to share this to be treated a certain type of way. Um, I think that naturally I have like a, you know, just my, my place in, in, with my friends and with the people that I'm around. I'd like to think that I have maybe a, a spiritual tendency to me. I think I have like this loving um, thing that I um, even even before all these spiritual experiences that seem to be, you know, in, re- in right relationship with me personally. Um, and those sorts of things are kind of amplified in, in, in a way. So I don't know, man. Um, I uh, I'm just trying to, um, you know, in, integrate and live out this stuff to the fullest extent of, of my truth. And, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out what the heck that means along the way. So that's what a lot of this, this podcast has been, you know, this whole thing has been my mental health journey. So you guys know that I've been super open and, and, uh, explorative about my own insides. You know, I've been, I've, I've definitely overshared in so many ways. And sometimes that makes me feel a little, a little like my flanks are wide open. Like it makes me feel a little too vulnerable. It makes me feel like I didn't set the right boundaries with me and even my audience, you know, it's like as, as, as open and, and, um, uh, welcoming I am to really any levels of conversation. And I always want to have room for whatever needs to come up in that moment. There's also, um, some difficulty with me sharing these sorts of things because they are very personal. I still put my foot in my mouth. A lot of it, I'm still like, man, I'm, I'm right. Still writing my journals. I'm still, typing a lot of stuff all, all the time every day and it still is like I'm not fully understanding a lot of this stuff I'm still trying to find my own stable structure um, um, yeah man so so it's uh, I, I, I try to show up where I'm at but I also feel it makes me feel a type of way when I overshare too much that's a tendency that I have I, I, over explaining or oversharing you know here I am this entire intro I could have said hey this is a conversation that I had on a podcast enjoy I'll see you later but here I am 10 minutes later over explaining these sorts of things so it's clearly still something that I'm working through this is now the fourth I mean fourth day that I've tried recording some sort of intro I had a fifth or 40 minute long intro yesterday um, I was having some technical difficulties and I had to listen to it back and I didn't like it. And I thought that I was a little too, um, overly exposed. I thought that, um, 
uh, I was trying to like shape the way that other people see me. So I mean, anyway, this is all, this is all just you know the the trials and tribulations of 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 my journey as I share it out loud. Um, just like you know, uh, Ram Das would say, um, you know, I've done. He he would say I've done. 35 years of, of intense and deep meditation practice, and I have still never gotten rid of a single neurosis. <laughs> you know, you would say that. And it's always been, it's such the truth, you know, like I have made these legitimate progress. You know, I've spent some like serious time over the last few years in like very dedicated, um, you know, n- you know, n- nearing some level of monastic states of, of, of thinking and contemplation and, and reading philosophical texts and like just meditating, just all this stuff. But I'm still, you know, I'm still very much just me. You know, I just have my own my own shit. Um, uh, you know, I'm just yeah, I'm just a dude. So it's cool. That anybody is listening to me. So, I, you know, I, I guess without trying to explain it into oblivion, I hope that you guys continue to hear just that from me. And um, hopefully that comes from a place of sincerity as I'm explaining it. You know, um, I'm just. I'm not trying to present myself as any sort of way. I'm not trying to say like I'm spiritual now. I've had these experiences. Um, I'm not trying to say that I'm some sort of arbiter of anything that um, is, uh, um, you know, you know, none of these experiences give me. They don't grant me access to anything um, special. They don't. They don't give me. Um, you know, they don't grant me permission to say exactly what I want. They don't. They don't. Um, you know, I, 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 I just see that this is almost like a power dynamic thing in some sort of ways. You know, a lot of times I'll listen to these on, on YouTube. There will be people who will share their, um, here's what happened during my Kundalini awakening. And a lot of it is so, it's, it's very disassociated. You know, um, I hear that in a lot of my own writing and a lot of my own like poetry and artistic work too. So I have to kind of balance that myself. But like when I hear other people talk about their Kundalini awakening, they have this experience. A lot of times it really, to me, it sounds a lot like they're coming from, they're still stuck in a victim state. This is something that I'm consistently working for too. You know, I'm trying to keep my mind out of a place where it's a fixed mindset. I want to be growth mindset type of individual. Um, but I also am trying to be gentle and soft and, and honest with myself about where I'm I'm really at what I'm really capable of, um, uh, what I what I need that day, how that matches with my overarching goals of of uh, you know my plans for my life, these sorts of things. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think that I hear so many examples of other people sharing their um, experience uh, having a Kundalini awakening. Uh, as much as I resonate with so much of it, and much of it sounds so much elegant, you, you know. I think from an outside perspective, if you haven't had these sorts of experiences, I mean, I feel like this could potentially sounds just massively cringe, massively, um, you know, icky in some sort of strange way. So I I hope it doesn't really hit that hit that vein with anybody who's listening. Um, I hope it um, I hope now that I've over explained it to oblivion that now is uh, now it goes down smooth. So anyway, I have these spiritual experiences. Here is an interview of me talking about them. Thank you guys so much for listening to, um, you know, any, any time of my podcast, um, whether it's the clips, whether it's all these episodes, whether this is your first episode, you know, welcome. Thanks so much. I'm going to keep going. I have some plans to like make this, uh, actually it's going to come into the forefront of my priorities here. It's kind of, uh, one of the plans that I'm working towards. So, um, we're going to keep going, man. I have a lot of cool guests on the, on the docket, um, I have some scheduling things where I want to do be posting once uh, w- w- once a week. 
at a designated time. Um, I have some upgrades coming in the world of audio and like making the clips. Um, I want to make it to where all the episodes are um, uh, uh, transcribed so people can listen to them uh, without listening to them if they would like over on YouTube. I also, uh, I recently just did ketamine therapy. Uh, I've been going through that. I've done quite a few sessions of that. Um, so I, I actually, I had, as much as I had planned to um, initially record myself, I was going to have a video recording, audio recording of me during one of these sessions because it's a, it's a solo thing that you do at home. You have an eye mask on. You basically trip for 90 minutes to two hours. Um, and you have these like massively psychedelic transcendent experiences. I was going to record myself, but I thought actually after a while that it may, um, hinder my actual experience. You know, here's the thing is I'm as much as I want to bring everybody along the way and as much as I want to share my experience because it helps everybody. Like I can't muddy the waters of my actual mental health because I'm trying too quickly to share it. So that's something that I definitely had to take into consideration. So yes, I did ketamine therapy, um, it's been a couple months now. Um, I'm still kind of understanding it. Um, I do have plans to talk about it on the podcast to share it with you guys to like uh, explore some of my experience. It was actually pretty wild doing it by yourself. It's a whole different experience. Like I'm like laying on my back, dancing with my hands. I'm like humming. I'm like beating on my chest and these drum like crazy patterns and stuff for massive just for a long time. Um, I would I would be like laying there repeating like I am God I love me like just these kind of like dorky things, um, but uh, but yeah it was it was uh, it was it was beneficial it was helpful I have good reviews for the ketamine therapy but I do think it's something that I want to talk about more in detail um, as I understand it myself and I really want to make sure that I'm in a, at a good place for it before I just kind of like expose um, and, and open up you know all my listeners to my personal experience of that you know. I just just uh, as much as I love being vulnerable and open and I really just want to share all this stuff to help everybody I've also got to make sure that it's benefiting me to um, you know to the max of course so um just got to get to a good place with that but yeah I, uh, following that I may have um uh you know uh, uh, I may actually have the company that I that I went through to get the ketamine th therapy through who's like sends it to the pharmacy and everything the people that I talk to like the um you know maybe call them counselors of sorts um, the people who send me all the journal prompts, all this sort of stuff. I want to review all of it and then actually get one of those people on the podcast and have a conversation with them, introduce them as a guest and uh, bring in my own personal experience. We can kind of dissect it, maybe talk about some of the before and afters. Um, so yeah, that's on the upcoming docket. Um, I have plans to uh, more health stuff, more psychology stuff. Um, I'm always trying to share what I'm going through on here. I mean, like right now, I think a lot of my brain fog these last few days trying to record these goddamn intros is um, I'm going through this like parasite cleanse right now. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm in the thick of it. I'm feeling a lot better. I've been dealing with a lot of um, man the last couple of years, especially, but really in the last year, year and a half, uh, I'm dealing with like a lot of autoimmune disorders that are really like kicking my ass. Um, I'm 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 not very good at. Um, I feel the need to deal with all these things on my own and learn about them on my own. So that's just another, another layer of things. But yeah, man, I've been, um, a lot of body inflammation, a lot of, um, I deal with like rosacea, stomach issues, just all these things that I'm in, in my health, along with my mental health. The mental health thing is when I'm massively depressed, I can look down at my hands and realize that my hands are inflamed too. I get this bodily inflammation. So I'm both trying to solve these, uh, you know, world of mental health quarrels through the 
through the mental as much as I am trying to solve them through the physical body. So uh, sharing more of that as I discover things, as things are beneficial, as things are helpful, um, I will be coming to the podcast and sharing those things. And uh, once I get more into the swing of things um, where I can have weekly episodes, I think it'll be uh, a lot cooler, a lot more, um, a lot, uh, a lot more direct, you know, so people can like just as, as I'm going through things or as I'm trying new things, um, or as I've gone to conclusions and, and really learned things that have really made me feel that I'm on the other side of something, like I'm on the other side of this, hey, this thing was really kicking my ass for a while. It might be kicking your ass. Here's what I did. Now I feel like this seems to be working. I seem to feel okay. You go ahead and give it a go. You know, that perspective of things. Um, so just, just sharing my journey. So there's more of that along the way. Coming right up is is more of me sharing of that and hopefully that episode with... Uh, with the people with the ketamines, with the ketamine peoples. Let's get K-hold, baby. I have a lot more plans for the clips. I, I don't know. You know, it's just, just going to continue going forward. And I can't express enough. Thank you guys so much for supporting me, for hanging out with me, for being on my side, um, for, um, you know, hey, hell, maybe even listen to this just for your own entertainment and you don't like me. That's cool too, man. Thanks for listening. That's a play button for me, man. Um if you can, hit like, subscribe, follow, whatever podcaster you're playing on, whether it's Spotify or Apple or um, Pandora or Amazon or any of those things. Just like hit the hit the review, give me a five star, give me a whatever, so drop me a comment, whatever it is, whatever you see that me doing, if you can interact with it, you know, I, I don't give a shit if this is heard by, um, you know, uh, crazy amounts of people. But um, if you do enjoy it and you do like it, it does help more people stumble along. So if you think it helps as well, interact with it. That's greatly appreciated. This is episode 100 with Brent Spirit and Jacob from the internet. This is me talking about my spiritual awakening. That's enough blabbing for me. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next time. We learn to have better conversations with ourselves. questions i forgot to ask um how would you like me to introduce you as uh jacob ryan's is that your last name ryan's that how you say mm -hmm. it yeah ryan's or jacob from the internet uh i'm kind of impartial whatever feels more natural uh i think jacob from the internet includes jacob ryan's there's not uh, my aliases have kind of intertwined and mixed at this point so either way okay okay got it got it and um Spiritual awakening, Kundalini awakening process, roughly how long? Um, just so I can give a, a brief introduction. It's been a certain amount of years. Yeah, I would say um, I'm nearly 32 now, and it began when I was 26. Um, okay. So five, five, six years. But of course, you know, I, I got to throw in once you realize it seems like it's been going on your whole life. But yeah, yeah of, of course, I'd say about, about 26, so five or six years for me. Okay, okay. Okay, cool. All right, all set? All right.
Welcome to another Kundalini Conversation. My guest today is Jacob Rines, aka Jacob from the internet. Welcome, Jacob. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm very excited to talk to you again. Uh, I, I really enjoy our interactions, so I'm pumped to be here, man. Yeah, we recently had a conversation on your podcast, the Junkyard Love Podcast, and admittedly, I talked way more than you did, and so my intention today is to give you a chance to speak because uh, you know during our conversation it was, it was about my journey, but you had uh, sprinkled a little bit of uh, hints and clues about some of the things that you went through that sounded really exciting. You know, some Kundalini awakening experiences seems to have begun, um, I guess, in your in your mid twenties, about uh, six six years ago now. Um, but of course, as we were just talking uh, before uh, we start our conversation, it seems like for many of us, we look back and our, our teens or even our childhood, and we see there's spiritual phenomena, spiritual experiences, if not just spiritual interest was was clear uh, very early on before we even knew you know, what to call it. So maybe we'll get into that today. Uh, you and I, I feel like uh, we have got a lot in common. Um, I see in the background there on your wall, you've got the words turning pro. Of course, uh, that's... Uh, uh, two very powerful words from one of my favorite authors, and I would say probably my favorite book ever he's written, The War of Art. Mm -hmm. And I take it, it's, it's really influenced you. It's really influenced me as well. Like I said, uh, uh, my favorite book ever, and it's what got me started in doing this work. And so I'd love to hear about your relationship with that type of work as an artist yourself, a musician. Um, very creative person we have here, everybody. This Jacob, uh, spoken word artist, DJ. Uh, you've done some 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 visual art as well on your channel. There's some, some interesting videos and things on your Instagram and whatnot. And so we'll get into all of that. Um, so I'll stop talking here. And like I said, we're going to give you the floor. Take it away, Jacob. Tell us about your spiritual awakening journey. And from there, we'll tease out some of the uh, the difficulties you face, solutions you found, and any other interesting themes that come up. So how did it all begin for you? Mm. Um, well, I, I mean, we can kind of start with, with the the War of Art, the Stephen Pressfield work. Uh, I feel like it kind of ties in. So towards the beginning of when I started going through, you know, my spiritual awakening was through like many suffering, right? Um, I just kind of like got, got to the edge of who I thought myself to be. It wasn't working out. Um, I was dealing with massive anxiety, depression. Um, I was actually like, um, there's ways in which I would describe myself as obsessive compulsive, um, or just, you know, overly obsessed about things that really interest me. There's a way that I got kind of obsessed with like suicide and stuff, um, which sounds kind of icky and, and strange, but, um, I'll, I'll elaborate more. Um, the, uh, the war of art. So amongst my healing, I started reading all these things and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and listening to lectures and, Somewhere along the way, um, I heard about The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, and uh, it just kind of like seemed like a cool book. And uh, I think that I bought it, I think I bought a physical copy, but I could not get myself to sit down and read it. And I could not, I couldn't sit still long enough to read it, but I knew I really wanted to read it. Um, so I ended up getting it on Audible, and I hit play in my driveway. It, it, I was like very determined. I was like, I want to read this book. I was very like um, kind of mean to myself at, at this moment in my um, kind of healing journey. I, I was like so mad that I couldn't sit down and read it. So I bought on Audible, <clears throat> and I'm a runner. I really like running. 
And so I was like, cool, I'm just going to hit play in my driveway and I don't stop running until I finish this book. Um, so it was it was cool because like you don't even realize how how much that intertwines with the the themes of the book, you know, fighting resistance. If anybody else has ever read this book, it's uh, you, you'll understand the correlations. But um, yeah, so I read it and um, it was dude, it was also so profound to me. It, it was really like putting words on this thing that is is common amongst people who are artists is common amongst creators. You know, we have this resistance and, you know, our job is to, is to accept the resistance and uh, get in contact with the muse, you know? Um, and so it, it just felt, it felt very, felt like I kind of won that battle. You know, Stephen Pressfield talks about how he uh, finally uh, found himself like he wrote a little bit and then he was washing the dishes and he, he was like whistling as he, as he cleaned the dishes and then he kind of had this moment of realization, like, oh, I just I just like did the work, you know, like I'm, I'm at this this place of peace doing the dishes because I did my work that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so for me, as I was running and, and I finally finished the book and I was like, man, oh, I just did my work. Like I found a way to make it work for me personally, like my version of of uh, creating and doing the work has just been done. Cool. I, I did my work for the day I ran and I finished this book that I was determined to do it. So, um, yeah, that's the that's the 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 war of art, uh, which turning pro thing on my wall is I think the second book in the the series of, of sorts with Stephen mm-hmm. Presto, the second or third. Um, yeah. And, and that's, and that's kind of just, you know, like we discussed before, Brent was, um, you know, it's kind of like taking your, taking your work serious. Like, dude, if you're an artist, if you have these, these thoughts and ideas, you know, it's clear that not everybody else does. And so your, your work is to take your work seriously and do what you got to do. Like sit down. It's, it's not like you write when you feel like writing, it's you write because you made a schedule to sit down at 9am every day, that, that sort of thing. Um, which is always, is always kind of a struggle to be natural about your work as well as, uh, be rigorous. You know, there, there's kind of a, a fine line between not forcing it, not strangling the art by like, I got to sit down and finish this thing because people need to hear it and I need to change the world versus, you know, uh, just, just doing what you must do. Um, so I had, you know, you know, we, we mentioned before we started recording that, um, you know, a lot of the Kundalini awakening stuff, the awake spiritual awakening things are, as we get through them a few years into them, we start to realize that it's not really a one moment, you know, like I would say that my Kundalini awakening happened when I was 26, 27, but in retrospect, I see how my entire life has played into it. You know, I, I had um, w- what I would consider, um, and for a long time, I would consider myself a, a complete victim of these things. But I had a just a tough childhood, man. I just, um, essentially, my father got addicted to like really hard drugs when I was like eight or nine, and it completely crumbled our family structure. I have some older sisters, um, and you know. Long story short, I ended up kind of like raising myself in a lot of ways from those years. And so just like the way that I that I had experienced the world was like, oh, dude, none of these adults are taking care of me. I got to take care of myself. And so the way that I learned to kind of interface with the world, interface with my life was um, um, it, it really worked for me. And it really is what I needed to do as a young kid and a teen. Um, but as you get older, you realize that the armor you created when you were younger doesn't serve you going forward. Um, and so the the structures that I had created to kind of like, 
you know, let's say spiritually bypassed from, from learning from my trauma, you know, um, uh, they did work for me and, and, you know, I, I was successful in certain areas of my life, but as I got older, you know, these things, uh, like, like this pain of this little kid who's still hurting inside me starts beating on the walls from the inside, you know? And, uh, and yeah, so, so essentially when I was, when I was 26, my Kundalini waking was kind of like the structure of the person that I had built just didn't like, he didn't work anymore. Like it just was not working for me. The way that I thought, the things I thought about, um, the way that I treated myself internally was just, um, it wasn't a long-term game for me. Um, and so I think that, I don't know, I, I don't want to, I, I was actually debating on, on whether I would, I would explain this part. There was kind of a moment where, in retrospect, I can kind of see that it was almost like the opening moment in, in some senses. Um, but I actually, so I'm a DJ, I've been a DJ since I was 20, I think. Um, and just inevitably with the world of DJing and clubs and, and, and bars and staying up late and those sorts of things, um, you know, like partying and drug use and all this stuff was, was part of my journey. Um, and I wasn't like really super deep into it. I was kind of the guy who would like play a little bit along or have a couple beers sort of, sort of thing. You know, I've, I've been drunk plenty of times, of course, but, um, the, uh, cocaine came into the world and, uh, that kind of like that really like exacerbated my like self-worth problems inside and it, it would just turn into me like trying to get high to shut up this internal voice you know to try to this extreme form of escapism um and I, I had a I had this night I was in a long-term relationship I had this night where we were out at the bar and I was I was cool guy Jake everybody knows me I play at this bar all the time the bartenders like ignore the person in front of them and get my drink you know this this like ego yeah man I'm popular here I'm cool this is like I'm I'm the jock in high school this is this is my vibe here um and uh you know people had bought me shots and so essentially I was like a little too tipsy and I got behind the wheel um of, of my car and I had my girlfriend next to me and I reached into my wallet and I pulled out this bag of coke and I did a key bump and uh, it was interesting because it's like as soon as I did that, like I don't know if I, you know, punched my my prefrontal cor cortex in the face or something with this. But it was like I had this out of body experience when I did this bump of, of cocaine and it was suddenly like I was aware of what I was doing and who I was and my story. And like I was a, this out of body kind of like uh, my higher self or something going, dude, what are you doing? And it was this really loud, like I was like sitting there, I was like looking at my girlfriend going, what am I, I'm like drinking and then doing blow so I could feel a little bit more sober so I could drive home. You know, what, what is this? What, why would I do this? Um, and so I, I think th like that seemed to be a lot of the start of my just extreme internal self-reflection. Like I had my friend come over afterwards and we were like drinking and doing more blow that night. But the whole time I'm just like massively aware. I'm like miles away from from being present. Um, and it. I don't know, it's it just like I became extremely aware of what I was doing and my influences on other people and uh you know, like even driving behind, you know, if you're driving a car and you've got a car full of people or a car full of people you love, you're responsible for those people. You know, if you're if you're drinking and driving, you got other people in the car like that is your responsibility if they're hurt. And uh, that sort of voice just came incredibly loud. And so um, 
I think that, I don't know, it kind of turned on this awareness that I wasn't aware of. You know, I was saying saying a little bit ago that I was kind of obsessed with like suicide and like, um, uh, if, if you have, have you ever heard of the 27 club in the world yeah. of like artistry, mm-hmm. and, you know, Kurt Cobain and these artists, you know, they, um, it's like, man, if my, nobody's really going to listen to my work unless I'm dead, you know, they'll appreciate, appreciate me when my, when I'm gone, you know, and it's this, um, it's this weird, like toxic, selfish, um, uh, you're just so unaware of, of who you are and, and what you bring to other people, um, and so I, I guess I kind of just became massively aware that I was obsessed with those sorts of things. Like I was like, oh, I just had kind of accepted, oh, I'll be in the 27 Club. Like, oh, I guess like th- this is the year that I'll probably take my life or next year I'll, I'll probably take my life. And uh, I started becoming aware of how crazy that was. Like, what am I, you know, I, I'm I'm fantasizing about these things. I'm obsessing about uh, how cool it's going to be when I'm dead, you know. Like what, what, that's so crazy, you know. Um so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it just kind of started this extreme self-help obsession. Like I really just could not shut off the fact that like the who I was was not going to work out for me. And that was a legitimate problem. The person that I had created was not going to be able to continue to go forward. Um, and and I should I should pay attention to that, you know, like I shouldn't just be accepting, oh, this guy's going to kill himself. And that's me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I continued to, I continued to DJ, um, I I was still kind of like in that world. Um, I just like slowly started, stopped drinking. Um, I do this less and less drinking. Um, I stopped partying a lot. Like I would stop doing Coke. I just didn't really have any urge to do it. Like I I didn't really want to do it. I had done it a couple of times after that, but uh, for the most part, I didn't want to do it. I actually started smoking a lot of weed just because I was like, uh, I had a bunch of sleep issues. I was on antidepressants at this time. Um, I just, uh, I, I was, I wasn't being, being a good person. And so I had all this internal just noise, man. I was just so many layers buried deep beneath this like cool guy, you know? Um, and so it's like my, like my structures were breaking, but there was something that happened that seemed to notice it and take it seriously suddenly of, dude, nobody's going to save you, but you sort of thing. Um, so I, I guess over, over the last, over the, the coming years after that, um, I just got massively more obsessed with self-help, personal growth. Um, I always really liked these things. Like I said, I would kind of been on my own since I was younger. So the things that I had learned about the world were, uh, you know, in a way by my own hand, like when I was, you know, 16, 17, I was, I was the personal development section in the library was my favorite, you know, I loved all those things, but it was almost like I was blind to, um, uh, to a lot of other very obvious stuff. Um, and so I would spend a lot of time at home. I would just listen to podcasts and I would listen to YouTube lectures. And, uh, I stumbled into like all these people who would, present the world and present subjects and, and present their opinions on the world in ways that I'd never heard anybody speak before. You know, there's, um, there's this group of people, uh, it's kind of like a tongue in cheek thing, but they were deemed the intellectual dark web. Have you heard of this? It's, uh, Sam Harris, oh. Joe Rogan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, so, so it's this world these, of these guys and they kind of like accidentally named themselves. And it's like I said, a little bit tongue in cheek, but, um, Sam Harris, 
uh, Joe Rogan, Brett Weinstein, Eric Weinstein, um, and just kind of like everyone in their vicinity. They're like uh, public intellectuals, let's say. And uh, man, my YouTube my YouTube algorithm was just feeding me that stuff that I was listening to. I mean, I get to the point where I was um, uh, somehow I was lucky enough to to have like extended periods of time off of work. Uh, where I would maybe do like one gig a week or I would have like a couple months where I wasn't working. I was just in a position to where um, I could spend a lot of time listening to these different uh, perceptions of reality and di- different views on on things that I either hadn't thought of before or I thought I knew a lot about, but I hadn't really sat and thought about it much. You know, I, I would at that time I would consider myself uh, uh, just to use a, steal a phrase from a friend of mine, uh, Reed. Uh, he says self diagnosed self-diagnosed agnostic he says um and i would consider myself that i'm, I'm like or, or an atheist or something i'm like okay y'all y'all are weird like you really think that there's a, a magic man in the sky with with a beard and, and whatnot like that was my very simple understanding of it but i would listen to i mean 12 to 14 hours of, of youtube a day and in, in audiobooks and lectures and i started like buying my own books i was um after a while that out when i was able to actually read them sit down and read them um and it started making me think about the world a lot differently. Um, of course, I was smoking smoking a lot of weed. I mean, and, and I I know that, I don't know if you, you dealt with this um, or, or if you think about it this way. It seems like when I mention smoking weed and like how intertwined this is, it almost feels a little disregarding to, to the complexity of the, of the story. It's like, oh, dude, like, are you sure you weren't just super stoned all the time? Right. And it's in some ways, yes, you know, in some ways that was uh, a way for me to actually allow these things in and kind of penetrate the, you know, the person I thought myself to be. Um, but and it would help me kind of like sit and expand uh, on these ideas. Um, so I would just I would listen to listen to lectures. Um, and then I think inevitably we stumble into meditation, right? You know, like if you're trying to heal, if you have anxiety, depression, like, well, have you tried meditation? And there's these meditation apps and there's all this, all this stuff, this whole world of self-help. Um, and it brought me into meditation. But the way that I work is uh, I'm like very extreme about things. You know, like I said, like I get, I get overly obsessed with stuff. And, um, you know, like the way I read that, that book for the first time was cool. I'm not going to stop running until I finish this book. And so that kind of turned into my mindfulness and meditation journey. I became super obsessed and extreme about to where um, I'm listening to these lectures and it's like the second this lecture is over or this this YouTube video or this podcast or whatever. Okay, cool time to go meditate. And I would meditate for hours and hours a day. And I was learning about meditation. I was learning about um, the self and I was doing, you know, Vipassana and I was doing uh, all these various different kinds. I started doing a ton of yoga. Um, I just started, I mean, it was, it's like extreme mindfulness. You know, I was in this perception of being aware of who I was and what my actions were and how I, how I react and what I am in this world and what it means to be a part of infinity itself. And I'm just, I was in that realm, just hardcore, just, that's all I would think about. That's all I would talk about. Uh, my poor girlfriend at the time, dude, like I, I would, it's funny because I would think that she was understanding because I'm so obsessed with what I'm thinking about at this time, of course. I think she was understanding what I'm talking about. And then after a while, she would start to say, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know mm-hmm. what you're like. What, what are you what are you talking about? Which um, was actually kind of like painful, painful in the moment because I suddenly realized, oh, dude, I am, you know, I'm detached from reality. And right. the reality that I'm obsessing about and thinking about is completely distant from this person. Um, 
So I, I guess I guess I just got I was able to. So over the course of the season, I, I think that my like Kundalini awakening was from intense pushing like this extremely, you know, I'm using this, this phrase extreme mindfulness, which sounds so dorky, but it's kind of what it was. It was just I kept pushing. I was like, I got to heal. I got to get better. Like, I, I got to figure this out. And then it's like, like, why do I hate myself? What is the self? What is self? You know, like these things and I would just follow these strings of thoughts and just pulverize myself with them. Just think about nothing but it and just write about it and record videos of myself talking about it and just uh, try to like research it. And um, so I, I I had mentioned in our podcast together, Brent, that I had this moment where, um, you know, because with Kundalini Awakening, we talk about it's something that you're really great on your channel about expressing that I love is uh, it's not always this explosion of energy through the top of the head. You know, it's not always, uh, again, I'll bring it up, like you said, uh, a snake coming out of your butt. Um, it just made me laugh when you said that. But um, it's for me, I think kind of like, of course, like that night where I had done like a bump of cocaine kind of brought me this crazy awareness. But then I had a, f a other couple other few moments that I think that could be in, uh, very easily intertwined with what we can call Kundalini Awakening. I had one where um, I was listening to this guy, Greg Braden. Um, mm -hmm. he's, uh, he's like friends with Joe Dispenza. Um, he's friends with this guy, Bruce Lipton. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of their work and he has, he's a musician. And so like a lot of stuff that he, he talks about and describes, I really resonated with. And he had this, um, brain heart coherence meditation that I would do all the time. And it plays this certain frequency, you know, it's like this 10 minute long video or something I found on YouTube. And I'd listened to it plenty of times before, but, um, it was kind of like my way of getting centered and, um, I would listen to it and he kind of guides you through this meditation and it plays this certain frequency. And, uh, yeah, and it, it, it was the end of the night. My, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we had this place together. We had a, a house together and, uh, she was out of town for a few days. And so I was kind of already in this mindset of like, Oh, I'm going ham. Like, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to be grounded and talk to my girlfriend about her, her day at work. This sounds so selfish and I'm saying it loud, but um, it's like I can just go ham on this, this, this mindfulness stuff, this, this um, exploration of the self stuff. And so I was in that mindset already. Like I was going ham. I was doing a ton of breath work. I was doing a ton of yoga that day. Um, I had meditated for many hours in that morning or, you know, you know at least an hour um, in listening to this brain heart co coherence. And I think that I was actually sent, I was typing out, sending a text to my girlfriend kind of about what I was, what I was experiencing. It was probably like this complete nonsensical, um, you know, like something that she probably didn't understand what I was talking about, but it was, it felt important to me And something about me typing it as I was listening to this thing made it very real, made it very, um, like it jumped from the world of YouTube into my lived reality. And I had this, uh, have you ever seen the show Jimmy Neutron? It's a cartoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so he has this thing, it's called Brain Blast. And he gets this idea and he's like, Brain Blast. And they show this visualization of uh, like the idea going through all his like neural pathways. And it like makes these connections and these ideas light up and different parts of his brain light up. And it was kind of like that. Like I experienced something like a brain blast. This sounds so, so funny to say a lot. Um, but, but what happened is like my, my mind connected to my heart. And I don't know how, how to explain that. Like I visualized like this thing, this something like dropping down into my heart 
and then they were suddenly connected. And then I felt just like a crazy surge of energy. Um, and then dude, honestly, like the next three days were crazy. I was in this state, um, and I think that you've described it before, where I was like stuck in my body. I, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I felt, so, so right now as we're talking, you know, I, I'm not thinking about breathing. I'm not pumping my organs. I'm not pumping my lungs. But it felt like I was suddenly responsible for all those things. It felt like I was, like if I didn't think about breathing, I would stop breathing or something. Um, there's a way where I knew that wasn't true, but it was, I couldn't stop looping about this. I was inside my body. Um, within an hour, I actually like literally had 911 up on my phone, just trying to go, do I need, like, am I okay? You know, what on earth is going on? Um, oh, my air conditioning just turned on. Is that, is that incredibly loud? No, no, it's all good. Okay. Um, if it gets too loud or annoying, I can totally turn it off, but, um, but yeah, so I, I, I became, just ultra stuck in my body for whatever that means. And it was funny cause I, um, I didn't know what I had done. I was like, Oh, I messed up. I, I did something very, uh, very strange here. Um, I was Googling how to shut my third eye. Um, that, that tells you the, the information of, of how I knew of what I was really doing. I was just pushing, um, excuse me, Brett, hang on. Let me turn off my, my air conditioning really quick. I'm so yeah, sorry. For sure. No problem. It's just so loud and I don't want it to, uh, to harm the recording. But, um, yeah, so, uh, I, I was just in this state of like being stuck in my body and I, w- I was home alone and I was just in, in this complete state of fear. Um, and, and I think that, that when that happened, it kind of made me again, like this other realization of, whoa, I'm going hard on this. I'm going crazy intense on this sort of stuff. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, then I'm looking for, for grounding and I'm looking for like, what is going on? I posted on Reddit. Um, uh, I don't remember what subreddit was, maybe like spirituality or something. Basically like, yo, I, I think I messed up. Can anybody help? Uh, I've been listening to all these sound frequencies and, uh, you know, people were sweet enough to suggest some stuff to, to help me get a bit more grounded. But, um, so I, that was certainly a moment, um, the brain heart coherence thing, was definitely something that now I think I would correlate to something to do with Kundalini. Like I was moving the energies throughout my body, like suddenly surged. Um, and then I had to kind of like, it took me a while to kind of sit with that. Like, I don't know that I fully snapped out of the being stuck inside my body thing. Like I think it kind of slowly integrated in, in a strange way, um, in, in yoga and breath work and that sort of thing of, of course helps. But, um, um, and then I had a, um, I don't know the exact linear time for all this stuff. It's kind of a blur actually, but, um, I also had a moment where, uh, I was doing a hypnosis, like a self love guided hypnosis. I got like kind of obsessed with hypnosis for a little while. Um, and I, I was, I was experiencing extreme bliss for certain. Um, I I was already in this very blissed out state, but then suddenly I became the color purple and experienced being the color purple. Um, and I don't know how to explain that. Like I just, it was, I was both liquid and smoke in the color purple. And it was like this crazy blissed out state. And, um, I think it, in like after that, I think I had a few weeks of being just light footed as heck. Like I was just blissed out for a while after that. Um, I also had a moment where I did a, uh, it's not like a past regression, but it's like a, I was following some guided meditation. Uh, I was doing a, uh, like some sort of like 
what is it like child healing, you know, like in, in healing your, your internal child. Um, and I had this, essentially I was, um, I think I was just to add to the visualization, I think I was doing breath work and yoga naked in my basement all that day. Um, it's hilarious to share these things cause it just seems so insane now, but I was doing this like childhood thing, following the meditation. Um, and I actually saw my younger self, like I saw my teenage self, you know, I had mentioned before, I had kind of built up this tough, like, this is who I need. Um, you know, and, and then I suddenly like in my basement, um, it's not that I like really thought physical young person walked into my basement or anything, but I saw my younger self, I hugged him, I cried and I said, you did great, man. I got it from here. And it was like this, you know, another explosion of just healing. Um, and then I, I, I still don't know what to make about this part because um, I was listening to a lot of frequencies and stuff. I saw the, um, in Hinduism, is it Ganesh with the many arms? Uh, it- many of them have many arms, I think. Uh, oh. Ganesh is the, uh, the elephant, uh, elephant-faced. Yeah. Um, is, is Ganesh, is it a, a female uh uh, or is there Ganesh? I think I think Ganesh is male. Um, female. There's there's many actually. Um, I'm not too familiar with all of them myself. There's uh, there's countless. Lakshmi, Kali. Kali has many arms. She's kind of fierce. That's a, a common depiction for Kundalini, the divine feminine. But they all are actually all the feminine mm. ones are for sure. Okay, yeah, because it could, it was it was certainly had a feminine energy, um, and it had many arms. In, in a you know you know I say this I know I sound like a a, a bit daft, but um, it, no, okay. I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't know any of these people. I didn't grow up with a religious or spiritual or or any of that. You know, I I almost kind of like made fun of that sort of stuff in a way, yeah. like um not not in like a mean bullying way, but kind of just in like a all right y'all y'all are like whatever you want to do, but y'all are crazy about that weird religious spiritual stuff. You know, that's just yeah. kind of like my perception of what God was. But, um, so yeah, after I like hugged my younger self said, thank you, I've got it from here. Then there was this moment of, of, uh, experience the, the many armed God and it was this feminine thing. And again, that put me on another, I, I, I would say like probably a couple of weeks, if not a week, um, of just, blissed out you know it's like i had cleared this very big blockage or something i know that's kind of a, a bit of a strange term when it comes to like chakras and block chakras and stuff but um um yeah and so uh let's say like those four experiences were kind of my now that in retrospect they had something to do with the energy centers in my body um i would say i would say those were moments where my kundalini was um uh, uh, working through me they put me in an intense blissed out stage afterwards um which was uh, so wonderful in so many ways. And, uh, but also because I wasn't grounded at all. I mean, I was not trying to be grounded. Like, you know, I was doing yoga and breath work and stuff and I was walking barefoot outside and I was doing a lot of running and working out and that sort of stuff. Um, But just, you know, I I would talk to my old friends or I would have like uh, musicians or artists come over and just looking back, like the, the way that I was communicating with them was just very disconnected. I was really kind of like in this state of psychosis. I was just a bit nutty, you know, and they love me. And so they accepted like you're going through what you're going through. And, you know, if I know anything about Jake, he's got this under control. Um, so there, there was a lot of that. But in retrospect, I see how kind of um, just intense I was, you know, with all my relationships and, and, and talking to people. So Man, I, I would love to uh, to pause my rambling there um, uh, and, and see if you have any any questions uh, for for me from there, Brent. 
Wow. Uh, so many common themes uh, between my own journey and that I see across the board for many others as well. Um, thank you for sharing. I, I just had a conversation with James Dearden Bush, and he described something very similar to what you experienced, um, you know, when you were uh, behind the wheel about to, you know, do some cocaine. He described that he, as a result of his awakening, had experienced um, an expanded state of awareness that um, was unaffected by him drinking. So he got drunk at some point later, and there was part of him that wasn't drunk, but that was aware that he he was drunk. Sounds like the same uh, state of consciousness or same uh, aspect of your consciousness that you had accessed which could look from almost like an impartial place and say, what the hell is going on here? Um, even though you're under the influence or whatnot. And that seems to be, um, I've experienced it myself as well. Uh, it seems to be pretty uh, common with those that experience a sort of, uh, what we would call a top-down awakening or a crown awakening. And like you said earlier, you know, Kundalini doesn't have to rise from the base upward in sort of explosion can happen in many different ways. And, and for me as well, my my initial awakening was of a very similar flavor to yours, where I had recognized, I'm not my mind, I can, I can observe my mind. And so I'm the observer and that blasted me open. Um, uh, and uh, that was a major trigger point of my, my awakening, just like you. Fascinating stuff there. Um, yeah, the uh, the healing stuff also super common, right? Uh, super common stuff with the the inner child and whatnot. But even though, I mean, super common amongst those going through this process, I'll put it that way, but uh, not that common in general. Um, yeah, fascinating. Um, why don't you keep going with your story? So, so you're ungrounded, or generally speaking, or you were describing some periods where you're ungrounded myself as well i mean i can look back and kind of cringe at the way that i was uh for sure trying to describe my experiences or trying to because it was so novel and exciting i just wanted other people to experience this with me and i thought you know i, I had to show them what i was going through they can heal the inner child too right you know and mm -hmm. and uh of course you being young especially uh i i know you know you're young as well i guess you know, we are still relatively young. Some older people might think we we uh, we still don't uh, have a clue what's going on. But, um, you know, it's exciting. And, and it's good that at least you had some friends that said, hey, you know, Jake, uh, Jake's got it under control. Whatever he's going through, he'll go through it. He'll be okay. I mean, not everybody has that. Some people, you know, their their uh, circle will say you need to uh, be, be put in a straitjacket. And mm -hmm. it happens to many people. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what happens following these periods of intense awakening and healing and, and I guess we could call energetic instability. Um, where do you go from there? Yeah. Um, man, it's so interesting. It's a, cause it's like almost still going on in a way. It's almost like still, um, you know, my, um, you know, not, not like the, the turmoil and the confusion and the, um, the non-grounded nature of, of exploring these things. But, uh, I mean, I think since then, dude, I'm just so, again, like I said, I've always been really, I've really been interested in 
kind of the, the realms of psychology since I was young, um, kind of the realms of, uh, you know, having a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. You know, I said I really liked the self-help section when I was younger. I always loved that sort of stuff. But uh, now it's like I'm just massively, uh, I don't want to use the word obsessed, like as if I've, you know, cured myself of being obsessive about things. But I'm just, it's like so much of what I think about is identity and self and uh, personhood and uh, uh, psychology, anthropology, uh, uh, philosophy. I mean, I, I um, you know, in a lot of my artistry work and a lot of my poetry work, I kind of, uh, this sounds a bit self-grandiose, but I, I kind of like to consider myself a philosopher and not a philosopher who, um, you know, I don't have a degree. I didn't, I didn't go to college for any of this sort of stuff, but um you know, not a philosopher that studies all the great philosophers and can tell you everything that Freud tells you. Uh, like, I, I like the practice of philosophy itself. Like, how do you philosophize your life? How do you, you know, what, just the philosophy of self, you know, um, just like super uh, sure obsessed with, with those sorts of things. And so I've kind of remained in that realm. You know, I, I, I consume a lot of podcasts. I consume a lot of um, audiobooks. I consume a lot of books. Uh, and just, I contemplate a lot. I do a lot of meditation still. Um, it's it's a bit more grounded. Um, it's not like the only thing I think about. I don't go into every single interaction in my regular life and try to get people to think about it. Um, what's actually very cool, I will say, is um, I, I show up and I, I play the game, you know, you know, Ram Dass has this way of saying, um, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in school, why don't you take the curriculum? You know, um, uh, he had a, a disembodied being tell him that. And basically that's like, um, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And it's this, uh, you can't go into everyday life. Like I still got to pay bills. I still got to work. Um, in, in most people don't think about this stuff at all. You know, I would say, I don't know what, 98% of people, 95% of people or something aren't in this realm. So if you go to work and you're just trying to like talk about spiritual enlightenment or, um, like, Hey man, you know, you don't really exist. Right. They're like, what, you know, it, it, it makes you feel more disconnected from people. And so, um, a lot of the last few years have been almost like my integration back into the, into the world of, uh, of just, just being with other people and, and loving people for exactly who they are, not who I, who I wish they could be. And if they could just see infinity, like I see, then they would really understand and they could heal all their childhood trauma, like you said. And, um, uh, so where I'm at now, um, I mean, I mean, I'll say that in a lot of ways, my life kind of did fall apart after all of that. Um, and, and I hate to say that and like freak anybody out who's going through um, in, in any any sort of uh, their their journey right now. And and just, uh, um, you know, b b bear with me on, on this story here. But the, um, I was in a relationship. We were together for 10 years, um, thought we were going to have kids and get married and those sorts of things. We kind of just decided like it was this weird like disassociative state, but we kind of just suddenly decided that, um, like the wood, that isn't the route that we're going to go and we're going to split up. And so that was just like, before I knew it, I'm packing my stuff and I'm like, what the hell, what is going on? And then we would have conversations and we're, we're like breaking up at the dinner table. 
it was very, very civil. You know, uh, this woman is, is, is so wonderful. We, we had, you know, for all of our lack of communication, we had some wonderful communication as well. Um, in retrospect, these were, you know, really such a gift of 10 years with this person. Like we had just an incredible relationship, such a fun time. Um, but it, it was more of, it was almost like this thing was working through me and I'm like saying these things out loud and almost again, observing myself saying them like, is this really what I want? Like, it, but it was, it's almost like I was noticing that I was following my intuition in a very real way. Like w- what needed to happen in that moment was this breakup, was this, okay, it's time for something new in my life. Like it's time for the next chapter. Um, but I also was aware of my, like, I don't want to leave this person. This is safe. I, I like this person. I like this here. My life is cool here. Uh, but there was also just this awareness that this isn't, this isn't for me anymore. You know, I've grown out of this, um, in a, uh, you know, and not in a, a better, like I'm, I'm, I'm higher than you. Um, but just in a, I'm no longer in alignment with this. Mm-hmm. And so in order to follow my intuition for it, in order to follow my gut and this, this needs to happen. Um, and it was weird. So I'm living in Austin, Texas now. Um, I was living in Washington State then. Um, this was during the pandemic. And uh, my work, where I make my money, um, has been as a DJ, an audio engineer. Um, I have an audio engineering degree, um, which is actually kind of like a funny degree. Nobody really respects it. It's like this dorky, like it's almost an embarrassing thing to say. Yeah, um, I've, got, I've got an anthropology degree. <laughs> yeah. people, people think it's uh, it's archaeology and I don't even correct them anymore. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny you mentioned that. I just talked to somebody yesterday who who confused the who, who conflated those two. And I yeah. just okay, that's what you're gonna find fossils. Um <laughs> uh yeah, but um um and so so I, I wasn't working. Um and so I, I was at this place where um I was still I was still pretty out of it in some senses. Like during the breakup, um there was still like I would have days of of um you know, bouts of, of depression where I was just, you know, feeling so sorry for myself. And, um, it was just really hard for me to stay focused. Um, you know, I would still, I'd still wake up every morning and, you know, listen to Ram Dass and do my meditation and yoga and breath work and all these sorts of things. But I was still just like, it was like I was doing those things just to survive through my day. You know, I was going through a lot of turmoil. This breakup was really tough on me. Um, but yeah, for, for whatever reason, as we're sitting there at the dinner table, uh, with, with my ex-girlfriend, I, I was like, well, I have to move. I have to move. And it was, it was like, I was hearing myself say it, go, why, what, what are you talking about? Um, and I was like, I was like, I, well, I, I need to move. You know, I had never moved out of that town my whole life, but for whatever reason, I just had this extreme, um, intuitive thing that I needed to move. And then I ended up going, going, uh, live, living with a friend for a few months. And he basically pulled me aside. He's just such a wonderful guy. But, uh, he basically said, look, me and my wife, his, his wife, we're going to move within the next year. Why don't you come live with us? We'll just charge you, you know, ch- we'll be chill on the rent, um, we'll get you back on your feet and just wherever we move, why don't you come along? And I was like, all right, bet. And, uh, you know, so some, we landed in Austin, Texas, which uh, it, from a creative standpoint, you know, um, uh, you know, artistry and, and all these other things. I had followed a lot of people who had moved to Austin. Um, I was, uh, I was really drawn by like the artistry and the music scene and stuff. So it, it was cool. So that's, that's where I've landed now is in Austin. Um, it's been really fun. Um, but, uh, I guess, I guess I'll, I mean, I'll backtrack a little bit. I had already started my podcast. Um, I'm at like a hundred episodes now, but, um, 
my podcast was kind of like trying to help people go through the same thing as me at the beginning. You know, uh, I, I would say a lot of my earlier episodes are, I mean, they're cringe. They're, they're still, they're still available, but I was still learning how to talk to people. I was still learning how to listen. I was still, still learning how to meet people where they're at and not like force them into the corners of you're on my show. We're going to talk about this, you know, that like uh, there's this, there's this, there's this balance of, of sorts, you know, with these conversations. Um, and so I started interviewing and talking to a lot of my friends and, um, uh, people in the community and people that I looked up to and I had a podcast studio at that time in my basement at the house that we had um, so I could have them come over and it was just this such uh, cool thing you know they would come over and um, we'd go for a walk or we would you know uh, you know smoke a bowl and hang out in the backyard for a couple hours before the podcast and it was just this very very cool experience um, but, I, but I had started it the concept junkyard love is the name is um I had realized that when I was listening to these people on YouTube and online and audiobooks and these sorts of things that um, they would unknowingly say something that would completely shift my reality. You know, two hours and 15 minutes into a podcast of two comedians just BSing, they would say one thing, one sentence in a, such a certain way that I would be primed to for whatever reason that I, that I would like pause the podcast and just go, whoa. You know, I would almost watch my reality shift and I would allow that to enter through me and go, oh, I haven't thought about life like that. I haven't challenged my ideas like that, you know. Um, and so the concept is is sort of, it might be gibberish, you know. Your your story might not seem important, but when you share it, it might be really important to somebody else, you know. The a uh, the example I use is you know a, a 90, 1996 Buick Lesabre uh, passenger side mirror is completely worthless to somebody who doesn't have a nineteen ninety six. Buick Saber with a missing passenger side mirror, you know? Um, and so that was just kind of the thing is like your story is very important and there's something that you can say about just communicating your truth that could be profound to someone. It, it could, it could change their whole life, you know? And so, so share it, you know, share where you're at and don't, um, uh, you know, and, and you've, you've mentioned this in your videos too, is, is don't wait till you think you're ready. A lot of the times, you know, like make it messy if it's messy. If you stumble over and you say like, or you, uh, you know, you, you, you don't know exactly how to explain your story, but you kind of stumble through it. Cool. That's what it is right there. That, that, that's okay. Um, and so I started the podcast. Um, I started at that time. I'd already been a DJ, you know, say this is around, you know, 27, 28. I'd already been DJ since I was like 19, 20. Um, but I hadn't made a ton of my own stuff. So, so being a DJ is, um, a lot of times you're playing, you're not really representing, you know, you're playing other people's music, you're mixing and mashing, you're looking around the room and you're seeing what that room would want, you're being a tastemaker, you're on top of the current music, you anticipate people's needs before they anticipate it, you know what's popular, you know, um, you know, the, the, the right, the hottest song in the world right now, if you play it at, you know, 1021 it might suck but if you play it at 11:38 p.m. it might be you might change the entire room you know and so i was just very um i was on the pulse there's a lot of ways that i was certainly an artist as a dj um and i would create these hour long sets and i just wanted like uh, my my dj name at the time was chronos dj chronos who's the greek titan of time and that was kind of born of you know, I had experiences in crowds at music festivals and stuff where time itself would would skip or stop. Or, um, you know, I, I think a good artist can make you like, you know, snap out of time in, in, in a sense. You know, it's a uh, uh, could take you to a, to a place. Um, and, and so I, I was really obsessed with that sort of thing. So my artistry as a DJ um, 
was kind of, I think it's different than my artistry now, you know, over in the, in the last, um, when I started my, my Kundalini awakening healing journey, I just kind of naturally started outputting a lot of my own writing and my own, um, spoken word. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I've written and, and wrote that I'm like, I don't know who wrote that, but they used my body. You know, it's this is like the muse worked through me. I seem to have put myself in the right position and threw out a couple nets and, you know, I, I, I caught some jellyfish or something, you know, and, and I gave it, gave them to the world. So, um, I started kind of leaning a little bit farther away from DJing, um, being being less in bars and clubs and these sorts of things. I was super sensitive to um, being being in bars and clubs late at night. Um, you, you know, you know, we use the term spirits for alcohol. Uh, I think that you've discussed this as well. And in, in oh, I think you did it actually with your recent podcast when he was talking about alcohol. Um, I just became ultra sensitive to those things. And so I kind of had this, I need to keep my artistry, you know, I have this need to, to express myself. I have this something, I, you know, something inside me wants to communicate or, or communicate through me. Started doing more spoken word. Um, I've always been a fan of, a fan of hip hop and those sorts of things. So uh, I think there's like an innately, I, I would hate to call myself a rapper. I just, I think that sounds so, so weird, but um, I, I, I do like, I write a lot of rap, um, but uh, there, there's kind of like a spiritual uh, tendency to a lot of what I write, if, if you listen to it. Um, and the links so yeah, for man, that, uh, I just want to invite our audience to uh, to check out your Instagram. The links will be in the description, uh, but we'll keep going. Sorry to cut you off. I had to, th- no, I had to no, throw no, that th- plug in there. <laughs> I, I thank you. Yeah. And I feel like actually probably, probably Instagram is my best. You know, I have some songs on Spotify. I like to call everything a demo um, because, you know, although although like I technically have an audio engineering degree, I won't just sit and spend time like trying to mix and master my stuff. Like for one is a lot of it is beyond my skill level. You know, I, I don't know everything about all this stuff. Um, but I like just, like I said, just throw it out a net and like, cool, I caught something. Let's share it. You know, I like this lo-fi sort of, um, you know, so I have some stuff on Spotify. It's, it's, a uh, it's like sound art, you know, it's, there's this like kind of hip hop, but, um, it's just kind of like a, an expression of, of, of the thought that I seem to have, have caught, um, but yeah, my Instagram has certainly been a, it's interesting, man. Cause we have these, and I don't know, you, I mean, maybe you experience this sorts of stuff too, Brett, uh, you know, with Instagram and podcasting is, uh, you, you kind of instantly get put into a, a bubble or a category, you know, it's like, Oh, are you trying to be an influencer? You know, are you trying to, um, uh, like, are you trying to sell something, you know? Um, but yeah. I've, I've always tried to keep it. Yeah. I always try to keep it to where it doesn't, cause that feels icky to me. You know, like I've never had advertisements on my podcast. I've never had, um, uh, those sorts of things. Cause that feels like it's instantly trying to sneak like, Oh, Hey, look how spiritual I am. I'll help you, but also buy this thing that pays my bills. You know, there's, there's, there's an integration that I think is, is, you know, um, can be worked on, but, uh, I just really wanted it to feel, feel authentic. And so, um, my, my Instagram is definitely that, like I, I try to, treat it as, you know, an expressive outlet and not as I mean, I want to be an influencer on Instagram or I want to, um, achieve this thing. You know, I've, I've never tried to sell anything, any of that. So it, it's just been my creative outlet. I, I really think that, um, I think that if you can penetrate people in their day-to-day life as we're all, you know, me for sure, I have my tendencies to just scroll kind of mindlessly, you know, it's something I'm always, I'm always struggling with. Sometimes I do it too much. Sometimes I'm on top of it. Um, 
But there are times where I'm scrolling and somebody can say something or like I can get this spoken word or I can get this um, clip from a podcast that just, boom, makes you suddenly realize that like you're looking at your phone and there's a background to your phone and you're in a room and it just kind of sends you out of your body in a sense. And I always really wanted my work to do that in some ways. I want my my artistry to be some sort of koan, koan, you know, a Zen koan of, of um, I wanted to put you in a place that you weren't planning on going today, you know. Um, and again, just describing that sounds very self, self grandiose, uh, but that's kind of part of it, you know. That's a, a lot of my with the the intertwining of my spirituality and my artistry is not denying my ego, not denying that, like, you know, not only you know nerves, but um, like. Like if I'm speaking to speak to, to people on a stage or I'm speaking to people, uh, you know, OK, I've got a couple hundred people listening to this podcast like that feels cool. You know, uh, noticing that, like noticing that you have like an ego side that, you know, for me, like, like I said, I came from a background of DJing where people know my name, you know, like people in my hometown know me as hey, what up, Kronos? And like, I don't know who they are, you know, and, and there's a balance of uh, for a while I tried to kill the ego. I tried to reject it. You know, I tried to, uh, like, you know, I got to be next level humble and in 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 all these things. But there's, you know, it seems your role as an artist um, is is to behold the ego. Is to um, uh, I have this line: the ego doesn't like change nor grit, but loves to feel withhold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, a, a lot of my a lot of my stuff is kind of a balance of of uh, working with the ego, you know, Ram Dass would talk about, uh, how on stage he would be completely aware that, um, you know, people love him. They see him as this is Ram Dass. Oh, that's Ram Dass, you know, but he's also just there to do, he's there to do his work. You know, parts of him are going to notice those things. There's parts of us that I think socially will, um, uh, like those things, but we can't define ourselves by, um, this pedestal that other people put us on in a sense. So, um, yeah, um, I guess that's kind of like I try to integrate my I try, I try to live my philosophy and my creativity and my artistry as naturally as I can. You know, I try to, you know, if I go for a walk and I have a thought come into my head that I think is kind of cool or helpful or, or fun, I want to share it, you know, but I'm not trying to share it to accomplish something. I'm not trying to share it to, um, uh, you know, gain more followers or, or um, uh you know, tell everybody how cool I am. You know, it's, it's this, uh, I I try to use social media as a a genuine like tool for communicating the inside of my mind in a sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's like active philosophy, you know, that's like actually practicing philosophy. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't don't know. I, I think sometimes, you know, as, as, as we're scrolling through when something real pops up, we note it as real. You know, there's all these people trying to sell stuff. There's all these advertisements. There's all these, um, you know, like it's just obvious to us when when you've got a podcast. Like if I have a Monster Energy drink sitting right here and the logo is perfectly faced, you know, that's okay. Like cool, okay, we get it. You're sponsored by Monster, but there's just like this level of truth that we want to be about that sort of thing, you know. And I would hate for me having this Monster logo sponsorship to deter or or change anything, even 1% of, of how I'm going to communicate, of the ideas that I catch and communicate. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just a, um, 
I don't know, my, my social media presence is really like, uh, it's almost like this, I'm massively aware, but it's almost like a second ego in a sense, right? It's like almost like this digital ego of representing ourselves, you know, and, and we talked Brent, about um, the beginning of your, you know, you, you were into, uh, is it photography or videography? Uh, oh, photography. Photography, yeah. And, and you notice that, you know, you have this photography page and you start talking about spiritual stuff on there and people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, dude? Uh, and so uh, I, I've gone through that entirely that same thing of trying to find this balance of living through my truth of, um, like, yeah, I want to be an artist, but like, I'm not creating this artist to get famous and get money and like, uh, you know, so I can drive a fast car. It's like, no, I, I want to be honest about it. Every day I'm trying to live as an artist. I'm trying to be as a poet would be in my day to day life. I'm trying to show up as fully as I can um, and, and be aware that I have these different kind of aliases in a sense but not lose myself into my alias to where I'm denying the truth of my being, you know, cause I think that's so easy to do as a, as an artist. Um, I think, you know, you know, I was talking about the 27 club. We, we get so obsessed with our image, like, Oh, they'll, they'll listen to me when I'm gone, you know, that sort of thing. And it's, it could just be certainly, uh, massively toxic, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm sure that you maybe deal with some of the similar things of, um, trying to balance, you know, your, your personas in, in a way. I don't know. Do you ever, um, do you ever have any like debacle between who you show up as, you know, like who maybe your coworkers, uh, know you as, or who, um, I think you're doing some schooling, like maybe who they know you as versus Brent spirit. Um, do you ever feel any like trip up between these kind of characters you've created at all? Yeah. So I think I've, uh, it's taken a long time because uh you know like you like you described uh in your own journey it, it's it's an ongoing sort of dance and trying to figure it out and i had my own issues with working as an artist a photographer but then also having these like spiritual things that i wanted to express and of course um you know people that are interested in my photography are like you know what the hell is this guy talking about and i think that came from a more ungrounded place as well like we were describing earlier that we you know we could both relate with just you know that that feeling of having to like vomit out all this spiritual stuff to who any whoever would listen right so now i i found peace by compartmentalizing my two um i guess you could say brands or identities but in particular i, I think i've described this before brent's spirit is is a character when I'm sitting here in this chair, that's Brent's spirit. And I, I I want people to know that when I turn this off, I'm not Brent's spirit. I'm Brent. Like I'm a normal guy, like, you know, like uh, eat junk food, like, you know, have awkward conversations with people and think about it later. Go, oh, why did I say that? Or something, you know, like I'm a normal guy. And I just, I, I want to make that clear. Um, at this point in, in my brand or whatever or this journey i'm not too disclosing of my personal life um because i don't want it to be about me as much as it is about uh i love the way you described the ideas that i'm catching and 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 presenting um and not so much about me but i do recognize of course the validity of of the story in the background and so it's, it's a fine balance of of, of those two things, but I, I can totally relate. And I know that many others can, I think 
along the lines of what you're saying, you know, you're speaking as as a as an artist that's not creating art as a means to an end to become somebody or to sell something. It's it's for, for the end in itself. Um, and I, as you were speaking, I remember this. this it's a key concept in uh, Bhagavad Gita, um, where Krishna says, "You're entitled to the work." That's your reward is the work itself, but the fruits of your labor that all belongs to God. So you don't work thinking, okay, you're going to get paid or something. You work so presently in the moment, and that is the reward of the gift itself, the creation itself. And paradoxically, mm -hmm. I think those are the best artists. You know, they tend to do well at some point, they tend to have some impact. Um, but then I was also thinking as you were speaking that there are. I mean, back before social media, the idea of being a poet and becoming like world famous, that was completely ludicrous. And so poets were poets because of poetry or, you know, artists were artists because that's what they had. That's what the muse wanted them to do. There was no Instagram to post it on. You know, these people maybe lived in a small little village with same hundred people that saw their painting and that was it. Um, and so the reward, I think, was the art itself not uh you know the uh, the accolades that may come may or may not come and i think that's a key theme in stephen pressfield's work like you were describing um you know the, the the muse uh inspires you to create and that feels so good in itself and um you know th that seems to be uh what i like to try and remind myself of because i can also get caught up in ideas of like you know, I look at the like, oh, how many views did this video get? And and mm. how, how does it compare to the last one? And then I remember like, I, it's, it's it's completely out of my control. It's completely it something else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where, whereas, you know, if, if you had a boss or you have a sponsorship that's like, hey, your viewership is down, like you don't want to lose your sponsorship, right? You know, it's, a, it's kind of, you know, I think in any artist or any creator who is who's using their creative um, stuff to pay their bills, I think that's an easy thing to get caught in. Um, uh, luckily, I, I have uh, my my work in live events is separated from a lot of this work as much as I try to keep it all kind of just like, um, you know, there's there's no secrets with me. There's no, um, you know, like if somebody on, on the job site's like, hey, I found your social media. What's this all about? Like, I would love to tell them all about it, you know, but like right now I'm here, you know, oh, you hired me to uh, be a lighting tech today. So that's who I am, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, I do find it I do find it very interesting, like the the integration of uh, being an artist and making sure everybody knows you're an artist or like uh, being treated as an artist. You know, I think we see it with a lot of famous people sometimes, you know, we'll see videos or, or, or clips where, um, you know, like it's, it's kind of has this, don't you know who I am flavor to it, which, which is, uh, uh, yeah, man. Like, uh, I saw this video once it was, I think it was Jay Z on a subway and he was talking to this old lady and she was like asking what he does. And he's like, Oh, I'm a rapper. And she's like, Oh, you know, and she, she's like, Oh, I don't remember exactly. Maybe she said like, my grandkids like rapper or something. And, um, basically she had never heard about Jay-Z. She doesn't know about Jay-Z, which, you know, to most of us is like, what, you don't know about, you know, about Jay-Z. Uh, but dude, all he is to her in that moment is just a man on the subway and like, Oh, we're talking about work and, and, Oh, you rap. That's pretty cool. Well, here's what I did in my life, you know, and, and I think we can get caught up in a version of, uh, 
you know, like what if Jay-Z was offended? Like you don't know who I am, you know, and suddenly you can't, you can't connect with this person, you know? So, um, yeah, the, yeah, there's this way where we want to take our artistry with us. Um, you know, whether you have fame or not, but there is kind of this, um, like trying to introduce it. You're trying to control the narrative of who you are. You're trying to control how people see you at all times. And I think that like a lot of artists, um, get, get caught up in this, you know, and it's, a uh, it's this, it's this dance of the ego. Um, but, but I, I really like just trying to, trying to be very natural and open and honest about that integration, you know, um, uh, I, I had this example yesterday. So I think that even outside of people knowing me as an artist, or if they've ever listened to any of my stuff, or if they followed me or any of that, um, it's been pretty cool over the last couple of years just to, you know, I'm not trying to force any sort of spiritual talk on anybody. I'm not trying to make anybody, you know, if, if they want to talk about the the Family Guy episode last night and I saw it, cool, I would love to talk about that. That sounds fun. Let's laugh together. And, and they don't have to know anything about me being spiritual. Um, but it's actually very cool when you relax that like need to like, you know, hey, don't you want to don't you want to heal your childhood trauma? Uh, it seems inevitably people notice what subject areas uh, you seem to be, you know, wise or or intelligent about. So yesterday I was on this gig. I actually, um, it was, I didn't even know it until I got to the gig, but it was a, a private event for the band one Republic down in San Antonio. And, uh, I only know that because I didn't, I didn't meet them or see them or anything, but, uh, we're pushing in the cases and I saw their, their name on the thing. Um, but this younger guy who, uh, uh, through this company, I'm, I'm a supervisor for, for a lot of their shows. And, uh, basically like I, there's, there's a lot of roles where I'm, I'm teaching, um, younger guys, you know, like in their early twenties about the world and about what we do. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it's really cool because I get to be kind of this, uh, leadership role. You know, I, I really like being a leader when I can. And so I'm not only teaching them about, you know, the correct wires for this and the, this is how this runs and, and this is how we do this in this world. But, um, also just by my, my me being present and me being interested in the things that I'm interested in, um, they notice that I'm knowledgeable or, or a person who, who can give them, you know, maybe good advice or something on subject. So in, anyway, last night, this, this younger guy that, um, that, that I've worked with who kind of like asked me some inquisitive questions. I feel like he really listens when I talk. Um, and so I try to take that serious. It seems like he actually does want to learn something from me. Um, uh, he was like, man, I'm so glad to see you. I mean, tell you, uh, I had sleep paralysis the other night and then I fell back asleep and he starts talking about all this lucid dreaming stuff. And, uh, he is, is, is so cool to me. He sees me as someone who is uh, knowledgeable and willing to speak about, uh, uh, lucid dreaming and the dream world. And, and then, so we kind of get into the, you know, the whole gig, we're kind of talking about lucid dreaming and all these really interesting stuff. And, um, he's inquisitive to me. Um, and I'm just talking about things that I'm generally interested in. He's asking me questions and I'm just telling him the truth. Like, Oh, I read this book on this and it seems like this thing sort of happened. So, um, it, uh, I, th I think to round about what I'm trying to say is, is that when you just show up, uh, show up as who you are, rather than trying to run around with a microphone tell or a megaphone telling everybody that you are this thing, I think that opportunities to, be the expression of who you are and the things that you're interested in actually come about more often than you may think. Um, oh, wow. Well said. Well yeah. Said. Yeah. 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 I was hoping that made sense. Um, but yeah, it's, a lot of my life these days seems kind of like that. Like I just try to, 
you know, I'm not meditating so I can be an ultimate meditator in like teach everybody I meet about meditation, but I meditate so I could be a true expression of who and what I am. And when other people stop by and, and they happen to need that, and here I am, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's like this. Um, and, and I, yeah, I, I think you can get what I'm, what I'm trying to point out. There, there's this level of being an artist, of being a, a poet, a creator, a content creator, an influencer where you're like, I'm this, don't you want to hear about it? I'm this, don't you want to hear about it? But it's like, this, this is actually, it's all very spiritual. Being an artist is your work. It's only your work. And other people don't have, don't have to give a crap about it. You know, as, as great as it is to create something and have other people see it and have an audience and, and there is that, that whole realm and that's amazing. But there's also a way in which you got to be honest with yourself, man. If you're obsessive about this philosophy meditation stuff, then be obsessed about it. Like you don't have to run it, run around the streets and tell everybody about it. But I think that there's a reason why you, there's not only a reason for other people in your relationships in your life to, for you to, um, pursue your interest in such ways, but there's also a, um, you, you'll begin to notice that when people are trying to come up for air, there you are, you know, mm. like you, you, you have the answers. You weren't talking about, you weren't planning on talking about those things that day, or you weren't reading this book so you could go on and tell everybody about the concepts in this book. Um, and, and if that's what you do, if you have a YouTube channel and that's what you do, like, that's cool, man. That's, you know, that's whatever. But I think there's this beautiful uh, intertwining with artistry of this like artistic spirituality of sorts that is you do your work and just trust that you are affecting the people around you. You know, your audience is right, right. just people in the street, your coworkers, you know, your family, just the presence that you bring because you do your own work isn't about you walking into the room of your family and going, you all need to meditate right now. It's about as they're screaming at each other and you seem to be at peace, like they can't ignore that, you know, like you, they're, they're going to start asking questions in a sense, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just it's, it's spirituality and artistry. It's very personal, man. It's very personal as much as it's performed on the stage, as much as it's given to the world, as much as it's presented in this, so this sort of way, it's a deep personal work, you know, and it's almost your job is a, you, you've, you've spoken nicely about, um, uh, a lot of like Kundalini stuff is like spiritual puberty in a sense. And, it's kind of kind of a lot of what it is. It's like this. Your spirituality as an artist, I think, is a way of working on your maturity. Like you're you're maturing into what's trying to be communicated through you. And um, you know, getting obsessed with like how other people think about you or or how you're presented or um uh you know where your work goes and, and all this sort of stuff kind of gets in the way of your your own personal work i don't, I don't know i i uh i guess I'll, I'll kind of kind of round out there but i think overall just the intense personal nature of being an artist is very important it's not about other people it's not about it's not really about the artist it's it's a very um it's your own maturity trying to trying to work through itself and, and i think that you know there's ways that we can be untruthful to the art if we're trying to strangle it, if we're trying to hold it, if we're trying to present it in a certain way, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's very personal. Right. I, I love the way you, 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 you say that it, it is very personal spirituality, artistry, 
what's coming to me here is, you know, if you're if you're in a relationship with another person, your relationship between the two of you is also a personal thing that you don't necessarily present to the world. Whereas, you know, you may see some celebrities, uh, you know, whether it's staged or not, but you know, they like have a TV show that portrays their relationship to the world, and it's now a public affair. Whereas our relationship with our spirituality, our relationship with our artistry, our art is personal. It, it's um, and maybe some of it will leak out into the public here and there. But I, I like the way you're describing that. And and going back to the way that you're you're playing a sort of uh, mentor. I don't know if that word feels right for you, but it sounds like that mm. to me in terms of when you're at work and whatnot. Um, I was thinking of asking you whether you'd consider yourself a light worker. Um, this idea of like, you know, somebody with, with some sort of, uh, spiritual intention, you know, doing, doing works of service out in the world. Um, I'm interested to get your take on that, but it seems that, you know, you're, you're living your spiritual awakening out in a very integrated way that, um, is necessary at this time. What I've said before is that, yeah, I, I mean, I play this, you know, spiritual teacher, and for the most part, those are the people that we hear from who write books, do videos, whatever. And others go through spiritual awakening and think, well, that must be the only job that's there for me now is to you know, mm. start being a spiritual podcaster or something. Because we don't hear so much from people that are like yourself working in uh, you know, the entertainment industry uh, as a supervisor, supporting other people uh, to do their work and enter twined in there you're throwing in some of the uh, the wisdom that you've gained along the way and i think that's absolutely necessary to get this ascension going because we can't all go on retreats and leave our jobs and and start you know like like you did you know consuming hours and hours of content every day and meditating all the time some people their satsang is uh you know on the job wiring up some lights and, and speakers and whatnot maybe that's what it is um, I'm curious to get your take on that. How does that feel for you? Maybe I'm way off. Would you consider yourself a light worker? No, yeah, I, I really like how you pointed that out. I um, I don't think light worker is a term that I use, but obviously it's in my uh, uh, vicinity. You know, I, I hear it all the time, and I I like it. And I like the way you describe it. I think, um, yeah, um, even even before my spiritual stuff, I've always been a bit of a chameleon. Um, I can kind of assimilate to whatever situation. There's a lot of ways where I think that kind of like my childhood traumatic, um, you know, I, I basically realized from a young age, Oh, nobody's taking care of me. I've got to figure out how people work. I got to figure out how society works. I got to figure out how to like take care of myself. And so I was very observant of everybody. I watch everybody and I, uh, and I, you know, you know, my, my way of learning is kind of like, oh, okay, so people do that. I understand. And then, and then I would go and act, um, you know, it, it's almost the birth, the birthplace of people pleasing in a lot of ways too. That's, that's been a lot of my journey is kind of unraveling that. But, um, uh, my chameleon nature allows me to connect with people in a way that, um, kind of like penetrates and reflects in, in, um, um, so, Okay, so so like if, if I'm describing a, a chameleon nature, there's you know say there's two versions of us. There's the, our social self, and then there's our our internal dialogue. You know, and a lot of times people can be projecting or being a chameleon of 
the social self. Like if someone shows up to me and they're like, I'm this job and I'm, I'm a mom and I have this car and that's like who they're trying to be and who they're trying to, uh, interact with me as, um, I have this natural ability. It seems, um, to reflect back to you who you are, but not who the persona is of who you are. It's almost like, like sometimes, um, um, I, I really try to come out, come across as kind and sweet. And, you know, I, I very much love people. Um, but oftentimes I notice that I'm triggering people by just, um, like, like my, I'm almost like reflecting back to them something that they may be thinking inside in, in a sense. Um, and there is some sort of like attraction to that in, in some sort of ways from other people. Like it's almost like, when someone is ready for the truth, they stumble on my path or something like that. Um, and again, that sounds like really uh, 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 big headed, uh, but um, they're just like a way that I will notice, you know, some some friends that I've that have like told me this, but also just something that I've just been observant of is um, uh, I will speak to people in a way in which nobody has ever spoken to them. I will and not just by the way that my subject, like, you know, certain subjects just don't get talked about. You know, you don't, you don't talk about uh, politics and, and God at the dinner table, that sort of thing. Um, and I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the most fun, you know, let's talk about God. That sounds so fun, you know? Um, but, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a way that I think that now that I'm aware of it, man, I think that, um, there is ways where just me being my true self does kind of, I, mean, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but like it influences, like it, there is some Shakti pot. There is, there is, um, spiritual things that happen within other people by having conversations with me. And I, and I'm not really sure where to put that. I, you know, you may have that, that might be not even just like a me thing that might be, uh, anybody on the spiritual path. It's like, I almost maybe accidentally like give people little glimpses of something that they didn't realize they were carrying around or something or like, like, um, you know, I think love and intimate relationships can often show you this of like, um, uh, you know, they, they allow the truest version of you to express itself. And that is so, um, so many layers deep beat behind people sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I, I think in some senses I, I would consider myself a light worker. Again, it's not super intentional. Um, it's, it's just my own work. It's, it's, right. it's my own, you know, what, w- what we practice in private is, is, is what other people hear or what, uh, there's some artist thing like, uh, like you're showing everybody something you made in your dark basement, you know, like I just go in my dark basement and I do my work. And if you're willing to meet me there, if you're willing to meet me where you really are and where I really am, there could really be some, you know, spiritual energy exchanged, you know, whether we're, you know, neither of us are trying to have that thing, I think intentionally, consciously anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll have conversations with people and I could tell, or they will tell me afterwards that they've never had any sort of conversation like that before. And I'm like, Oh, that's just kind of just what I was thinking about that day. You know, Mm -hmm. um, those sorts of things. I don't know if that really answers your light work a question, Brett. No, it's perfect. It's uh, it's a perfect answer. And I think, we're broaching a topic there that many out there going through something so profound as Kundalini awakening are thinking it and feeling it and experiencing it. Yes, it does have an impact on others. 
this energy I like to describe is contagious and that can cause us to, in the way you said, you know, feel like, you know, we're getting a little arrogant, big headed, and we, you know, might want to even shut it down or think, how can I be influencing other people or, or radiating something or they're, they're, uh, they're, you know, being attracted to me and whatnot, but let's get it out there in the open. Yeah, we, we are all radiating. Every every human being is radiating. This is science. The heart emanates an electromagnetic field. Um, our nervous systems can co-regulate each other. Um, there is uh, something unspoken that's being transmitted. Now, somebody who's gone through something like uh, you described, spiritual awakening, kundalini awakening, the, the deep inner healing, they're radiating some component of that. Um and so, yeah, it happens. But as long as we are like like you, we're saying, I'm just doing my work. I'm just, I'm just me. I'm not going around saying, Hey, come to me. I'll change your life. You're not saying that. Hey, I'll I'll blast your mind with some cool line I have or some look in your eye or something. You're just doing you. And people come if they're in a position to receive something from you. You receive it, and and I'm sure others are are you're receiving things from them. I receive things from other people as well. We're all exchanging information. Um, so I just love the way you're describing this because um, I know many many on the path are in fact the complete opposite of what we may call a narcissist. They're so afraid of of going in any direction that may be uh, 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 you know in alignment with some sort of arrogance, and that causes them to be like you know super insecure, small, hide. But no, we have to just come out and yeah, if, if people are meant to to pick up on something we have to offer, well, let them. Let them pick up on it, and of course, it doesn't happen to everybody. Um, you know, some people would say, you know, Sri Ramana Maharshi, greatest saint ever. You know, some people just looked at a photo of him and it changed their life. Other people in mm -hmm. person, just being in his field, experience incredible spaciousness of peace. But yeah. other people were like, "Well, how's the what's the deal with this this Indian guy wearing you know yeah. a cloth as his underwear yeah. and just sitting around? Like, what the hell's going on here? You guys are yeah, all it's, weird, it's like right?" He it's not like he like said, Hey, take a picture of me. And so when people see it, they get enlightened, you know, is it yeah. like, there's just a picture of him and someone saw, it. you know, uh, Ramdas actually just, I just heard a talk, I think yesterday, uh, from Ramdas, how he was talking about, um, something that he would see, he saw in this, um, I don't remember exactly. It was some like Christ movie, um, that he had seen. I don't know if it was passion of the Christ or, or what exactly, but, um, the way that they would depict before he'd do a miracle was like, okay, we need this miracle done. And he would stand in front of it and go, and then like the miracle would happen, you know, and it, it is like he I, I love how he describes that because it's like, oh, that's not how it is. You know, it's it's not a trying. It's not a um, um, it's it really is in a lot of ways is you just being who you are, getting out of your own way in, in every moment and allowing, you know, this this insane spiritual energy to kind of work through you. And, you know, if someone is right for it, cool. And if they're not right for it, they're going to go like, why are you looking at this picture of an old half naked dude with a blanket on? Like that means nothing to me. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, again, with Ron Bess, I know I talk about him a lot, but he's just, I've been, uh, a lot of his like heart centered work has been really helpful for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's a presence I don't know. I think it's very fascinating, like the word ripe that he uses. Yeah. Now, I wonder if you think about this, like the, like, what is it that makes, you know, like if I'm sitting here with, you know, say my best friend from childhood and we've had a lot of similar experiences where a lot of like we're best friends or whatever. 
and I'm listening to you on a podcast and you say something and I'm like, what? hold the phone, pause it. What? That is the craziest thing I've ever, like my mind is blown by it. And he's like, what? Why is that important to you? You know, like, what is it that makes me so ripe to hear that thing at that time? Um, in, 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 like, I, I think that's rather fascinating. You know, why is it that I had these experiences? You know, um, there, there's studies about mystical experiences where, um, you know, people who just live their everyday to day lives, maybe they've done psychedelics one time, maybe they've had, um, you know, in a church setting, they've had like this profound, what they would call, uh, you know, a very important part in their life, like a very um, life changing, reality altering moment in their life. Some of us, it could change the trajectory of our entire life. It could change the course of everything about us, you know. And that seems to be what happens with us with, with Kundalini is, um, you know, we have these profound spiritual experiences, this initial kind of awakening. For some people, they could have, this, you know, like I said, my best friend sitting next to me or something. He could read the exact same thing. He could have the exact same thing happening. It's not about the words. It's about like the, the, the weaving of them at the exact right moment. You know, you have to be ripe for these sort of things. Um, and, and I think... I don't know, man. It's, it's just very fascinating. What do you think? What is that? What is the, like, why are some of us more ripe for these certain moments than others? And, and what is the, I mean, what are the, what's the playbook here? You know, it's like, like a koan could be so profound to me, but someone could listen to it and not hear the same thing at all that I heard. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I think it's got a lot to do with um, the uniqueness of this path. Uh, that we all have different things that we're working out. Um, and one way I've described it is that even right now, there may not be mind-blowing uh, conversation between you and I, but there's behind the scenes, like pieces are being laid. And mm. at some point, there, like the uh, the centerpiece will will fall into place and then it'll all be a, a mind-blowing experience um and so I, I i looked at it that way like everybody has a different pace that their pieces come into place different different things different themes and uh i, I think it makes it so much more interesting otherwise this, this path would be like super linear you know it'd be like okay everybody read this book okay everybody read this poem yeah. listen to yeah. this listen to this guy's yeah. to this one talk go to this yeah. timestamp. And then, you know, this is the book for, for level 13 of enlightenment is this book. You can right. read it in this great. <laughs> right. And so I think it just, can, it, it's, it shows that this, this path is so unique for us all. And that's why I, I want to have guests on like yourself, you know, you shared such a unique journey and we all have shared unique, unique journeys, but some people will resonate with some of the major themes in yours and say, ah, the other people didn't speak to me, but Jacob, what he said, that was a centerpiece for me. That was a, uh, uh, it clicked for me when he said that. Um, and so mm. I think that's how we all uh, support each other. I'm, I'm curious if, uh, if, if that's uh, speaking to you or if you've got anything else to mm. add. No, no, entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of correlates right with what I was saying, you know, like, like, like somehow what I'm communicating or somehow what you're communicating is that passenger side mirror of a 1996 Buick Saber or whatever, you know, it's just, just, just the right part. I was thinking about the, um, uh, a term I've used in my writing uh, uh, that I had just looked back on my notes uh, is the bottom dropping out. 
um, in a lot of like the spiritual practices, just a continuously the bottom dropping out. And, uh, you know, not now it's, it's a very exciting thing. It's like something you almost want. And, and there's almost like a desire for, oh, cool. I could have another revelation, uh, you know, cause, cause awakening is not a moment. It's a continuous, you're consistently awakening. And, um, sometimes it feels like you backpedal, but then you realize you hadn't. And, and you're, you know, this is whole thing. It reminds me of what I was visualizing when you were talking, Brett was, um, you know, those, uh, at an arcade, those quarter machines where you drop like a token or a quarter yeah. and they're just going back and forth. And if you drop the right token or the right quarter at the right spot and you angle it just right, it's going to push, you know, five to 50 quarters off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes they're just little quarters being laid. There's just little tokens in our life that are, um, you know, being placed in the right spot and they're stacking up, but when they drop out, it's going to be a big dropout, you know, right. you're going to win big, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's so fascinating. I love the, um, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, Ron Bass uses the word ripeness or, or, or you're, you're just ripe. Um, and I've heard other, other spiritual teachers use it too. And, uh, it's really just a reminder to follow the, the path for you, or, or I'm sorry, it's a reminder to follow your path not necessarily the path, you know, it's right up there in line with your goal is not to be a good meditator. You know, you're not, you're not supposed to be the best meditator. Like I'm good at meditating now I'm spiritual. You know, it's like, maybe that's not your path. You know, maybe, um, maybe it's not about sitting down to read the war of art. Maybe it's about you're an extreme person who does things. Um, you got to go all in. And so what you need is to put headphones in and buy the audio book and run until you're finished with the book, you know? It's just like we all have, um, uh, there's like, there's a very personal intuition for all of us. You know, it's not like you're, as much as, you know, we talk about tapping into the muse and there's this, this continuous kind of collective unconscious that speaks to us in a sense, um, to use uh, Carl Jung's uh, uh, wordings of collective unconscious. But um, there's a very personal spiritual path for each of us. And it's, it's like, and it's okay is the thing. Your, your, your personal spiritual path is okay. You know, maybe suddenly you get this moment like me where you realize that you've kind of been a shitty person and you're not living to your truth. And the person that, you know, served you well for a long time, uh, was really great. But suddenly this person just does not serve who you, who you want to be in the future. You know, maybe you realize that, and the answer isn't to sell all your clothes, buy white and orange cloaks and join a Buddhist monastery. You know, maybe it's, ah, man, I, I've been drinking 17 beers a night. Like I'm going to, I'm going to only drink 16 tomorrow. You know, uh, that's an extreme example, but it really is like, you got to step on the path where you're at. You mm. can't, as much as we could use other people's lives and their stories and their journeys as, as influences and inspiration and all this stuff, um, you know, I think that's been a huge thing for me is, is learning that my path is okay. You know, my, my spiritual journey is personal and that's okay. You know, and, and I can't do it the way that other people did it. I tried to read this. Um, I forget the, oh, uh, st- have you heard of the term in meditation stream entry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a I, bu- I got Buddhist this term, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a step-by-step process. This is actually fun. Like it's weird to describe. It's like a step-by-step process for like, um, uh, uh, reaching Samadhi and stuff. Like there's, uh, I think it's something like a, it's like a 10 step. Anyway, I, I bought this book, um, in, in the throes of me being obsessed with, with all this stuff and meditation. And I bought this book, uh, John Caldassa, I think is his name. One of the authors, um, 
And man, I remember just like trying to push myself, push myself. Okay, I got to meditate for this long each day. It says to do this. I'm going to do this meditation. Um, When in actuality, like maybe what I needed was to just walk outside in the morning and pull up YouTube and just click on whatever, like, oh, that seems like a cool meditation. I'm going to do my meditation today, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so, so anyway, I guess just like um, just believing our own personal spiritual paths and stepping on it wh- where we're at. You know, may- maybe we're a hundred miles from the path, so we think. But you know, walking north towards the path, if it's north, is better than walking south. You know, uh, so yeah. so j- j- just walk in the direction of of what your spiritual path is. I think is what I'm trying to say here. No, well, well said. I think many will will resonate with that and find some some peace and acceptance of where they're at, because of course, you know, uh, sometimes people think they're doing something wrong or that they're messing it up and that because their path doesn't look like someone else's path. Um, I think it was, it was Ajay Shanti who, like you, also had a very, uh, I guess you could say, masculine approach to just going at it, meditating really intensely and trying to make it, trying. And this was the same for me. I, I was very masculine in my approach. Uh, early on, and Adyashanti describes, and I can also agree. It, it he says his his spiritual path was was one of failure. It just all of his efforts failed. Um, he may use the term I'm not sure, but I like to say I became exhausted by those efforts. Like I was so exhausted, and that's when shifts happen. When I just burnt myself out, um, and that was my path. When I look back on one level, we could say, well, that was the incorrect approach, but maybe trying really hard was the approach for us to get us to, to exhaust ourselves out. So it's paradoxical. Um, we can't get it wrong. Even if, hmm. even if you are trying to, like you said, you know, uh, get on the path where you're at, you know, be true to your own journey. Even if there's somebody out there who's trying to copy another journey or following a book or tradition to the T, that's still their journey too. You see, it's like it's 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 paradoxical. It's interesting, but ultimately, I think you've shared some incredible wisdom there. You know, we can't get it wrong. Everybody has to get on the path where they're at. That's going to look different, and that's really my intention with having guests on this show is to show people that look, I can present my story, my ideas in my own way, but I don't want it people to listen to me as if that's the only way. And so, of course, uh, you know, we've got guests on like Jacob to share your story that looks so unique and different. But of course, if we extrapolate, there are the overarching themes of uh, introspection, practicing presence, getting back into the body, getting back into the world, um, you know, living a, a real life, paying bills, healing, you know, healing the inner child. Uh, all of those themes have come up today. And it's been a, an excellent, excellent conversation, Jacob. Um, it's about time that we start to wrap up but uh, I want to thank you for sharing so openly and in such a, a real way that I think is going to really speak to a lot of people and people will say, Hey, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can accept my journey as it is because uh, you know, they got some inspiration from you. So thank you. So, so on that note, please let us know how we can uh, further connect with you. Um, all of the links will be in the description, but please feel free to uh, shamelessly, tell us about what you've got going on online and how people can uh, tune in and listen to more of what you have to say. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning, I, I get to talk about myself, my favorite thing. Um, 
Yeah, man. Well, well, thank you, Brent, so much. Uh, you know, I've, I've appreciated our interactions and our, in our conversations very greatly. Uh, I'm really just, I'm a fan of your work. So it's really cool for us to be able to actually interact and, you know, kind of, you know, we get to know each other a little bit. So I think it's very cool. I think it's very cool that you're offering this space for people. Um, you know, dude, it's such a, it's such a, we've talked about this before. It's such an alienating, alienating journey. And you do feel, you feel wonky, man. This this whole thing is just just crazy. Whether you use the termina- terminology of kundalini or even if you use the word spirituality or whatever, you know, we're going to stumble into our books and our learnings of of what wordings and stuff make sense to us. You know, maybe it's through a certain religion. Maybe it's through, um, you know, healing from that religion. You know, may- maybe that religion harmed you when you were younger and you're trying to find spirituality after that as, a, as an adult. There's all these different levels of it. And so, yeah, I think it's very important and very cool that you offer space for um, you know, all of us on in, in different, in different levels and different paths. And there's no, there's no really wrong or right way. It's just kind of about listening to your intuitive, uh, intuitive way of guidance. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm really just a fan of your show. I just love listening to spiritual conversations anyway. Um, I love hearing when people express themselves, uh, how they're going through certain things or they've been through that. And then I remember, Oh, dude, I had that happen too. That's actually pretty crazy, you know, and it, and, uh, it all correlates. So yeah, man, thank you so much. But, um, yeah, so I would say probably these days, Instagram is, is the best way to get a hold of me, Jacob from the internet. Um, and that is just, I try to post my podcast clips on there with guests. I try to post, um, poetry, spoken word. Um, like I said, I do some hip hop stuff. Um, I'll do some DJ work. I have like all these different facets of my creative, um, journey that, you know, sometimes I'm, sometimes I have four months of just like hard DJing, you know, and, and that's what I'll be posting. Sometimes I have, um, moments of being very introspective. Sometimes I'm going through another like awakening layer. And so I'm trying to share that. Um, I try to be vulnerable on there. Uh, you know, like I said, I have podcast episodes that are, that are like just cringy to listen back to, but it's just where I was at that time. And so that's just okay. Um, Jacob from the internet on Instagram, um, the junkyard love podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I believe my YouTube channel is, uh, Jacob from the internet, but either way, the junkyard love podcast or Jacob from the internet, you will find me. Um, and I'm always just kind of sharing, um, you know, I, I am known to like suddenly realize I need a break from all this stuff. And so maybe I'll drop off the face of the earth for, for a month or two on, on social media. But for the most part, I like to post, um, you know, I like to share my story, my thoughts, like to share on my Instagram like things that I'm thinking about or my poetry or things that I've found in the world. Like if I'm listening to your podcast, Brent, and there's just this magical 23 seconds of, of you saying something, I'm going to share that to my story. I think that's super cool. So yeah, I just try to, uh, I'm genuinely interested in spirituality and self-growth and all this stuff. And so when I find little bits and pieces of it, I like to share that on my Instagram story and my, in my Instagram. So yeah, man. Great, great. So all of the links will be in the description to uh, the Junkyard Love podcast, your Instagram, YouTube. I invite everybody to check it out. On your podcast, you've got uh, some, some. I, I think you call them solo casts, where where you speak about uh, you know your journey. Uh, you had a, a talk about your mental health experiences, um, experiences with, uh, I guess, uh, cutting out addictions and or, or addictive uh, things. You know. Um, for some time and whatnot and and all very very fascinating as well as you've got some great guests on as well and uh, you give mm-hmm. them uh, a platform to share and and explore and uh, i think even some conversations with some friends too so you should invite everybody to check out the junkyard love podcast jacob it's been an absolute pleasure today 
Thank you so much. If uh, anybody's got a question for Jacob about his journey, you can leave a comment below uh, on the YouTube or, of course, get in touch. And I'll invite you, Jacob, to uh, jump in the comments to respond to anybody that has uh, anything for you. So with all that said, thank you so much, Jacob. To our listeners, to our audience, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate you. And until next time, much love and peace. Peace. Cool. We are recording. Yeah, I hope I hope it was a bit clear. The, the rant, it's always interesting to talk about yourself. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, I've been thinking about how do I want to present myself? How do I want to present my journey? I actually didn't want to talk about the cocaine thing because I feel like it it just feels icky, you know, but, it, uh, you know, maybe it'll, maybe it's what somebody needs to hear. So it sounds like that's what needed to come out, I suppose. Hello and welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. Knowledge is power.